Welcome back to Hints and Guesses, my podcast. I'm Kent Dobson. I am really glad to be behind the mic right now, making another podcast. It's been a little while. My computer died. I've been super busy making teachings at C3 and also for Eastlake uh, out in Seattle. So you can check that stuff out. If you've never, if you've never listened to my, my podcast or teachings at C3, c3westmichigan.org, worth checking out, or you can find them on YouTube. Occasionally, if I remember, I'll put them on Facebook. Um, same with Eastlake. They have tremendously interesting guests, um, and occasionally I get to teach out there. Um, of course, right now it's all virtual, but check out my most recent talks for those two places if you want more. Um, special thanks to my Patreon supporters. Uh, for making this thing happen and really directly <laughs> helping me get a new computer. <laughs> um, I had an old-ish computer from 2015 and it finally, it served me well, but it finally died. And uh, so I'm getting used to the latest updates in GarageBand. So it'll take me a little while to, to figure it out. But um, any really special thanks to my Patreon supporters. I think about Patreon um, as a kind of virtual tip jar. Every little bit counts from a dollar on up. Back when I was in a band, uh, back in the old days, we used to play little gigs and set out a tip jar. If there was a five spotter in there, we'd just be so happy. Dang, we can... Back then, that would pay for a significant amount of gas. Um Anyway, I'm just, I'm really grateful, and I'm grateful to the, to the little Patreon community, really, because the little interactions that you send me, little notes, comments, questions, ideas, are inspiring and, um, and helpful, and anyway, I, I can't thank you enough for, for making this thing happen. So um, enough of that. Uh, I have a very special podcast for you today. I'm doing another installment of The Forum, which is the place where I'm putting interviews. I've, I've not done a lot of interviews, as you know, um, on this podcast, but I'm on a little run right now. Um, so this will be my, my last little interview. I'll take a little break from that and go back to my, I don't know, my normal podcast, podcasting, and then I'll bring some more guests on down the road probably. I'm enjoying it. I like the interaction. I like the unscripted nature of it where where we just start, begin to explore. So um, anyway, check out my conversation with Ryan Meeks, a friend of mine, um, uh, Bill Plotkin, the eco-depth psychologist that um, I've been working with over the last few years. I'm, I'm in, the, in his guide training program at Animus Valley Institute in Colorado. Um, I just did a conversation with Paul Moore, and uh, without Paul, this podcast probably wouldn't live in the world. He's the one that sort of kind of pushed me and encouraged me into this, into this space. So um, today's podcast was recorded a year ago in Jerusalem. Um, so I'm talking with uh, Danny Kopp and Gary Alley, as you'll, they introduce themselves in the podcast. Uh, both of them are pastors and close friends. We became close friends when I lived in Israel. And uh, because I go back um, almost every year, sometimes multiple times a year, our friendship has continued. And it's kind of amazing. Like, um, I will send them a text like when I'm there, you know, um, and say, Hey, what are you guys doing? And just immediately we just get back together and, and pick up where we left off. And that's what I did with this. I didn't even tell him I was coming really. I, I brought some pretty primitive podcast equipment and I sent him a text. And I was like, Hey, let's make a podcast. They're like, okay, come on over. So, um, I think you'll enjoy it uh, for a long, long time. People have 
ask me, what do you think about Israel? What do you think about the Palestinians? What do you think about the quote Middle East? And I, the feeling is, Ugh, how much time do you have? And um, is it okay if I speak in contradictions and paradoxes? So um, I've been a little resistant to to weigh into that conversation. It's difficult. It's challenging. And so that's what I'm doing on this podcast. We talk about um, what is what's life like in Israel, and and it's it's very personal. Like. Um, Gary and uh, Danny are the pastors at the church I went to. So we're really talking about um, what Christian life is like there and what, what life has been like for them and, and what's their experience with the tensions between uh, Israel and, and, and Palestine and, or the Palestinians and the Israelis. And um, it's really complex, but I think you'll appreciate their perspective. I certainly do. I have been um, profoundly and deeply influenced by Narkis, which is the church I went to there, by my friends there, um, by, by the leadership there. Um, has profoundly shaped my, my view of the world. So I'm really grateful. I'm just really grateful to these two people and, and the entire community there. And I think you're, it's kind of like eavesdropping on conversations that we would have if, we di- if, if I didn't have a microphone, if we were just sitting down for a beer um, in Jerusalem and just chatting. That's kind of what this is like. And anyway, I, I, I encourage you to open your hearts and minds and... and, and um, to what unfolds here. And one reason why I'm putting it out now is because I couldn't figure out how to get it off my my hard drive um, that I brought with me to Israel and and into GarageBand. Sounds stupid, but uh, some Google action was required. Um, So it's finally, you know, finally the audio is good enough, um, having messed with it a bit. So uh, anyway, one reason why I'm putting it out now Besides that, is that a year from now, I'm going to do another Israel trip if all things go well with the, with the global global pandemic. Um, I've got a, a group from Colorado, from uh, Denver, uh, Denver Community Church, where a friend of mine is the pastor, Michael Hidalgo. So um, a group from there is um, starting to organize, and that's our plan. And there will be some spots open to the public if this interests you. And, and I'm just starting to work on a very, very small trip. Hopefully it will happen for some pastors uh, in May of next year. Um, might be one or two spots open f- for that as well. So um, beyond that, I-, I plan to return to this, uh, what I call pilgrimage. I started a company f- many years ago now, uh, and I've been doing trips for almost 20 years, which is crazy. Um, but I, you know, I, I call my company new pilgrimage because I, I, I view, first of all, I have, I have deep respect for the ancient spiritual discipline of pilgrimage, um, a kind of spiritual odyssey and adventure into land and terrain and text and story, um, as a kind of, as a kind of spiritual adventure. And that's the way I I treat mine. So there's a lot of Bible stuff. There's a lot of conversation about, um, how Christianity came to be and, um, and ancient stuff from the time period of the Hebrew Bible. And of course, we have conversations about 
what's going on right now in the world. You can't help it once you're in, in Israel. Um, but it's also a, an opportunity and, ch and, and chance to explore one's faith or lack thereof and questions. And, um, and in that sense, it's, it's, it's grounded in a, in a certain kind of a spiritual approach. What if I open myself up to the mystery, to the land, to the text, to conversation, to other people, and to what unfolds? And I have found them, they not, not only continue to shape my life, but the people who come on my trips, um, I think, are, are shaped in ways that they're really grateful for. And, and it's, it's both challenging um, and encouraging at the same time. So that's my pitch for Israel trips. Um, I hope you'll consider saving up some money um, and joining us someday. I'd love to see you along. So that's that's kind of enough of of an intro, um, and I'll I'll hand it over to myself, <laughs> and I'll see you back here on the podcast in uh, in the coming weeks and months. Peace. All right, it's uh, a bit difficult to know where to begin, <laughs> other than. I'm in Jerusalem with some friends, Gary Alley and Danny Kopp, and I don't know, in the family compound here, <laughs> I don't know what you would call this place. Um, yeah, and I, when I lived here for three years, um, both of these people and also the community that we were a part of um, was a, I don't know what I would say was part of the, I don't know, the profound experience we had here. It wasn't just, for me, it wasn't just coming here and being a student and going to the library. But um, community life and life in Jerusalem. And so anyway, maybe we should just begin by, I'd like both of you to introduce yourselves. Who are you? How did you end up here in Israel? Are you from here? Uh, that kind of thing. So my name is Danny Kopp. Um, I was born here, um, lived here pretty much all my life, uh, except for a few years in the States, about 10 years ago. Um, my dad's from the States. My mom is originally from Slovakia. Um, they came here, my dad in 66, my mom a year after that, and have been here ever since. Um, my dad pastor at the church that um, Gary and I co-pastor now. Um, and it's called the Narkey Street Congregation, um, here in Jerusalem. And, um, we've been doing that for about two and some odd years, three years now. Yeah. Why, wait, wait, before you go, um, why did your dad come here? What was the, what was the pull and was he allowed to? Yeah, he was, um, well, his father, uh, was a minister, uh, my dad's like seventh generation minister. And they were traveling around the world. My grandfather was kind of traveling minister, and they'd been traveling for six months around the world. Um, and they, had, Israel was always kind of on their sights um, as evangelicals. Um, they kind of always believed that Israel would become a state, um, and um, you know, sort of believed in the prophecies about Israel. And my dad was born on May 14th, 1948, when Israel became a state, the very day, the very hour even. Grandpa quickly, right after he was born, went and looked at the news to see 
confirm that was the actual hour that it happened. Did he think um, this was like a sign, like in a way, or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, it was. They were pretty excited about that. Hmm. Um, but um, um, so when they were traveling, when my dad was eighteen, they were traveling around the world. They'd been traveling for six months. They'd been all over the Far East and through the Middle East, through Iran, Iraq. Um, and then when they got here, um, and my dad had been here as a, as a child, even if my grandfather had lived here for six months. Um, but when he got here, he was 18, he, he liked it. They were here, been here for a couple of weeks, and he said, you know, I think I'd like to stick around a little more and um, just see, see what it's like. And so my grandfather went on ahead, went back to the States, and my dad is still here. So, <laughs> Wow, wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um yeah, maybe we can come back to uh, to some other stuff, but yeah. Gary, who are you, man? I am Gary. <laughs> uh Gary Alley and I'm originally from Florida. I came here in 95 to work with the Baptist at the Baptist House, which is where the congregation's located on Fornar Key Street. And um I was originally supposed to be here two years, and but then I decided to go to Hebrew University, and I did an MA there in religious studies, looking at Second Temple period Judaism, early Christianity, and met my wife at the congregation, and Sharon, and we got married in 2001, and we've had our three children here. They were born in Bethlehem. And um, that's kind of been, what, the last almost 25 years. Mm -hmm. So I've been working at the congregation essentially for that whole time. Um, we did a few years where we taught biblical studies at NIAC in Manhattan. Uh, but we also are quite involved with biblical languages through Sharon's father, Randall Booth. And so we've we've taught biblical Hebrew and Greek and Sharon is definitely kind of an expert in that area. I'd so, say. Yes. Yeah. And I, that's what I say. She taught you too. Yeah. Right, Kent? Uh -huh. Yeah. So that was like 2003, I think. Yep. Yeah. That was, she was my first Hebrew teacher really. Yeah. And, uh, it was a, a full indoctrination and with no, with no English basically. <laughs> The book of Jonah. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, amazing. So I, I guess we should talk about Narquise because that's been mentioned now a couple couple times. And I, I, like when I moved here in 2003, this was um, really near the beginning of the second intifada, and it wasn't the safest um, time, and it sort of got worse over that those couple years. And... Um, Somehow we had been told uh, before we got here that there were a couple of congregations and that we should try to go to church, that we would feel really out of place just as students, and we, it's not like we could just go to the local synagogue or something. Um, and so I think we went to Narquise even the very first Sunday we were here, or Shabbat Saturday we were here. Um, and I think, I'll just give you my sort of first impression. First of all, I thought, hmm, this is odd. This is definitely community-led. This isn't a, it's not a service. It is a service and it's not. 
Um, there, there were Torah readings and some commentary on the Torah. There was the Lord's Prayer in several languages. There was music, like sort of old school worship music, and then stuff I'd never heard before. And then there was a talk, and and that was kind of also informal. And it's and it seemed like people were coming and going in and out of this congregation. Even the first day, it was like, oh, so-and-so is here. They're from the Ukraine. You know, come up and, like, tell us what, you, what you've been doing. And, and I have to be honest, I've never, I had never experienced anything like that because I came from big church where everything is, like, smooth and organized and transitions and lighting and, you know, all this craziness that, that we have in the States. And so I liked it right away, even though it was, like, a bit odd. And the other thing that struck me as strange right from the beginning that sort of put some questions in my mind. So we did the Torah reading in Hebrew, at least a section of it in Hebrew. There was some talk about, really, I mean, in a way, it was kind of even a scholarly conversation about the Torah reading, but not, maybe it was in part scholarship, in part how shall we live, sort of was, yeah, was sort of the question. And, um, but then we're also saying the Lord's Prayer in Arabic. I'm, th- I'm thinking like, what, what is this? Like, where does this fall in this continuum? Because it seemed to me you had two choices coming here, which is you're pro-Israel or you're pro-Palestinian. So how do you respond to such a thing? And what is Narkis like in that respect? You've given me the mic. <laughs> Um, okay, you'll clean it up. Um, yeah, Narkees is a weird animal, um, and um, you can't really tack it to the wall. Uh, it's kind of like Jello in that way, and it's it's, it's kind of different any Shabbat you go to. Um, a box of chocolates, Gary says. Um, and that's a good way to describe it, it being community-led. I mean, it, it sort of kind of depends on who happens to be there that day that could really um uh really takes shape according to who's who's there um but um um yeah i think that's that's all you put your finger on a on another good point about um churches here well most communities here most anything you do get involved in here is going to be biased um uh, politically either towards israelis or palestinians and that that's something that we've consciously tried to um, um, be aware of and make a not just be aware of but consciously make a make a commitment to be open to people who are um, living in both communities and um, that causes some tension um, and um, people who first arrive, it rubs them wrong, often for months and even years on end. Um, I don't think you ever it ever actually really settles because um, we're never all in the same place. Um, but um, it's a real problem because it if if ninety five percent of the people who come here and work with the Palestinians end up being totally pro-Palestinian. The 95% of the people who work with Israelis are all pro-Israeli. Um, I think that says something really damning about um, us as Christians theologically, just us as humans, that we are so 
quick and easy to be swayed and closed off to the other, mm. uh, that our sympathy so quickly shrivels up. Um, I mean, it's natural, right? It's natural that you sympathize with the people that you're among. Um, and that's a good thing. I mean, you, there has to be some kind of cold, uh, emotionally autistic person not to feel the pain um, of the people that you're around. But but it, I think it, it takes a thoughtful person to to know how to sort of not adopt also that community's biases and hatreds and mistrusts and that 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 takes a constant battle and a constant um awareness and consciousness um an extra effort um and so that that's something that we try to do as a practice because it's that's not that's not natural i think that that is something that takes something of a of a built-in ideology, a built-in theology that you just sort of develop. So. Mm-hmm. And have there been costs to walking such a line? I mean, what would you say to that, just in terms of the community and the church and the people there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, most people from either side think that we're too swayed in either direction. Mm-hmm. So, um, either Zionist or Palestinian. Yeah, we're either too Zionist or too pro-Palestinian. And uh, um, mm-hmm. we're also, yeah, we're not, we're not a massive congregation. I mean, probably for many reasons, but uh, <laughs> it's not, a, it's not a popular, it's kind of, it's not a popular pos- position to take because mm-hmm. uh, uh, you just sound like you're waffling constantly. Uh, you know, well, there's this, but you got to consider this. But on the other hand, this, you know, and if you can't just come out and just. You know, slam down a slogan, then you just sound like you're not sure of yourself. Yeah. Um, even if that's not true, even if you know, no, wait, this this is complicated. Let's this this takes a paragraph to describe, not just a not just a sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't have time for paragraphs anymore. I yeah. No, seriously. Yeah, Gary. Um, what, what are you thinking? How well, would you respond? To yeah, something? one of the things we we usually talk about is we're not pro-Israel or pro-Palestine, but we're pro-people. And it's, you know, when people walk through the door, it's who are they, wherever they're coming from. And and it's not even that, it's people from all over the world. We have people coming from all the nations at different points during the year, and everyone's got a story. And currently right now we have a family from Cameroon in the congregation and Cameroon's going through some, you know, massive conflict and there's, there's conflict everywhere in the world. And it just so happens that the one here is brought in the news quite often, but there's lots of places that don't get the spotlight that we do here. And so in a sense, it's kind of part of the whole narrative of the people that are coming through and being a part of us. They, they know what it's like. Um, they're not um, they're not being sheltered often when we think in the West, this whole idea of we gotta you know have security and we've gotta keep our children safe and people most of the world is living from hand to mouth and in many different sorts of ways and so I think our congregation in that sense is on the front line of at least trying to listen and to be aware of realities among the Palestinians and among the Israelis, because it is complicated, it is complex, and it's not 
there's no easy answers. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. And and just historically, our, our church started in the 20s when the Baptists bought the property. And looking back into the archives, the, the first members of the congregation were, they were like they are today. There were some Arabs, there were some Jews, there were some Armenians, and there were some British expats. This is during the British mandate. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just fascinating. You follow the history throughout the time there was always Jews and Arabs and expats kind of being together on this property and, you know, being in community in some sort of way. And so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, this sound, might sound weird, but, um, okay. <laughs> Why not just like, uh, fold up, you know I mean? It's, it's probably never going to be, so it's not going to be a mega church. There's no such thing over here anyway. But like, right. why not just be like, hey, we've been at this since the 20s. It's still a mixture of Arabs and Jews and expats and and people passing through. And um, and we're still not that well liked by our neighbors. Um, like even, I mean, maybe you should mention what happened in the 80s with the, with the, um, with the building itself. Was that the 1980s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what happened real quick? Sure, yeah. sure. So in 1982, there was an arsonist, a fire that burnt down the chapel, the original chapel from the 30s, and went down to ashes. And it was during Sukkot, so that was like October 82. Feast of yeah, Feast of Tabernacles. Good. And the our neighboring synagogue, a Reformed synagogue, came... The next, the next day was Shabbat, and they brought their chairs over because all the chairs were burnt down too, right? And so the neighboring synagogue brought the chairs over and set them up, and they all joined our congregation that day. And there was a you know, massive outpouring of condolence and what would you use for the word? Support, Support. I guess. Support, yeah. solidarity. solidarity. That, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's the word. And so, you know, that, that was, um, that was during a time when our, our church had grown actually a lot. There was hundreds coming and before 10 years prior, it'd been like maybe 20 to 30 people. And the pastor at that time, Bob Lindsay, um, what he said was something like I had been praying for God's fire, you know, to come down, (laughs) but it wasn't that kind of fire. And. Anyways, the great thing that happened was from that, there, there's, a, um, there's a Jewish, um, I think he was a rabbi, Nahum, uh, Gam, uh, Gamzu, and his, he, the reason why he got this name is in, in Hebrew, Gamzu, Gamzot, Gamze, was anytime anything bad would happen in his life, he would say, well, this also will be for good. Mm. And... And so that became also connected to this event because from this fire, we were able to build this larger chapel. Um, It it took nine years, but it it was kind of like always, you know, are you looking at, because going back to your question, why don't you just fold up? Yeah, that's that's where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah, you go back to that question and it's like, yeah, times might be a little harder. Things might be a little smaller. You know, all the typical things that we look for in the West of, you know, signs for business growth or business, whatever. It's like, no, 
there's still hope here. There's still a purpose. There's still a calling. And I think that's why we're involved. Yeah, and I, I want to say, too, that, that um, you know, it's it's not just about, like, taking a, a you know, middle-of-the-road thing. Oh, there's this okay. conflict. We take the middle-of-the-road. You know, well, you know, we're a little bit with you guys and a little bit with you, these guys. And we just, yeah. We're, and, yeah. The Swedish approach. Yeah, and we're just, you know, let's just... <laughs> Let's just try to listen to all sides. And it's not about that at, at all. Um, because it's off, pretty dirty. Yeah, it gets dirty. And oftentimes the truth isn't in the middle. I mean, you may, you may on, on whatever given issue, um, be 70% over here. And the other time, it's like it swings way over here. Mm-hmm. And so That's actually amazing. And yeah. I've never thought about it quite like that. That's exactly what it's like. Because it feels like you are zigzagging around. You're not just like, hey, just listening to both sides, yeah. you know, all yeah. the time. Yeah. It doesn't no, work that way. No, for sure. And, you know, so take, take for example, like we said, we're, you know, we're not, we're, we're, we're pro-people. We're, we're, we're open to both sides. I mean, take the very sticky issue of Israel. I mean, um, and, and how, how the church deals with, with Israel and the Jews and the church. Um, one of the things that I think Narkees is also known for is, is its scholarship and the Jewish roots and 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 all of this. And um, um, Israel has always been, I think, not just for the church, but but in 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 world history, a sort of canary in the coal mine type um, phenomenon. And um, and how how they have treat they've been treated. Uh, sort of a sign of of sort of the health of the society health of the the um the, um, the community and um it's been true for the church too and where where you've seen church kind of theology uh stagnate and go stale and and um um loses power and 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 become anti-Semitic, um, you see them go off on, on having a place for the for the Jews. So it's 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 crazy how that those things uh, go hand in hand, um, and um, so 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 for example, like um, um, I think we believe strongly that that God has a place for the Jews and that he that they are still His chosen people. That's your example. like theological sort of backdrop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that doesn't have to discount um, others in the land. I, mean, I think that we believe with that very strongly that um, um, how Israel treats the alien and the widow and the orphan um, are also paramount, um, and that He cares equally for the alien. So then, and so that. That today includes the Palestinians, mm. um, and so so those two things don't have to don't have to be mutually exclusive, um, um, but it but it it derives from there. It derives from from a a healthy theology, and not from uh, not from just well how can we how can we just all get along, um, um, you know because we have. You know, you have in Europe, for example, um, with with the left, right? They're having serious problems with how to deal with um, 
Islamic fundamentalism. Yeah, big time. And 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 Europe's a liberal place, right? And so they they're like this 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 is they don't know where it's coming from, and 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 so they come with a just blanket. All right, no, we, we in order to stop this, we're just going to apply liberalism, just kind of forcefully, mm-hmm. and so. And so don't wear the hijab. No, we're the hijab. And to prove that we're being across the board on this, universal on this, Jews, um, you guys are gonna have to stop wearing your kippas too. Mm-hmm. Um, and to prove, and so on, in halal um, slaughtering of meat, we're gonna stop that as well. And sorry, Jews, this is gonna apply to you guys now too, just to prove that we're being this. You know, you guys are gonna have to stop your kosher. Uh, slaughtering as well because we got to you know sorry this this really has nothing to do with you guys but we're going to have to prove our and so the, like and so the left in proving their liberalism has become just as totalitarian mm. in their response um as the very uh as the very as yeah, the amazing. right has been in many ways. Yeah, yeah, that's actually incredible, and it's the same. It's the same approach of Antiochus Epiphanes and like the Greeks. Yeah. You know, yeah. if we could just ban it, meaning the specifics like Shabbat or circumcision or or kosher, yeah. then everyone will just simply easily move over into our Hellenistic Greek way exactly. of life. And it and 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 <laughs> and so we're in an age. We're in an age where like. In, in, in the rise of fascism, you know, the Jews the Jew obviously saw that threat first. And so they, they fled to, to Marxism and then saw Stalin just as totalitarian, just as oppressive, just as... And, and so you have this kind of totalitarianism on either side. And um, Judaism is this perennial kind of reminder that, you know, you know what? Um, there is... There, there is something that is not just okay, um, but there is something beautiful and special about a people being chosen for a unique calling. It's okay to have a uniqueness about you, something special, something different, something that's uniquely you, that's different from everybody else. And we sort of, in our multicultural kind of world, you know, recognize that, and the, but except when it's Except when you're the wrong, except when you're the wrong tribe trying to, trying yeah. to, trying it's to. It's inconvenient. Yeah, it can be inconvenient. Yeah, yeah. and then suddenly, whoa, whoa, now it's you know that that's the wrong one to kind of emphasize. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, um, you know, so so again, like the, that 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 story of of a unique calling, and again, unique doesn't mean better. Yeah. Right, and and that's that's again what like we try to I think try to emphasize it. Yes, we recognize the unite calling of the Jews. No, it doesn't mean better than the Palestinians. No, it doesn't mean they get to overlord it over the Palestinians. It, it, it just means that we all have a special calling. Mm-hmm. And look at what he can do for all of us. And so, you know, I mean, that's... You know, how that plays out. How that plays, yeah. It's a different story, but... Yeah. No, no, no. I just... I mean, it's, that's the complicated part is, you know, it's like you get married... Okay, now you got to live together, mm-hmm. and how is that going to work? Yeah, sorry. So that, 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 I mean, so I think that's a that's a that's a uh, um, an important uh, message theologically for the church, but it's still an important message universally too. I mean, like it was in the days of fascism and the rise in the nineteen thirties, 
and it is today as the world doesn't know what to do with this like multiculturalism but we've kind of lost our way mm-hmm. and um and where to draw the line and yeah with identity we'll and yeah. I mean, are you saying in a way that um, liberalism at its worst has become a kind of new totalitarian regime? Yeah. And um, in an effort to include everybody, they're obliterating differences and they're doing so with a strong arm Absolutely. because places like whatever, we don't need to name countries, have the power to do so. At least Absolutely. they think they do. Um, and it's... Obviously, it's backfiring. You know, I wonder what, how much of that is going on in America. I, I think probably, um, there, I'm, I'm sure it's crossed the ocean in, it, in its own way too. I mean, you see, I, got, I guess on the on the college campus, yeah. um, a version of of what you're expressing. It's funny now because I'm in more liberal circles than I used to be, and. Um, even coming to Israel, when people hear that, first of all, they they might say things like, "You mean Palestine." And then, and then, okay, where, where do we go from there? What are we even talking about at this point? Or how can you support that apartheid regime? I would never step foot in Israel. I mean, for the same reason they might read labels and not buy dates from, you know, raised in wherever, in Tel Aviv, but they would from Gaza, you know? So, I mean, I, I know how I sometimes respond to that, but do you hear things like that? How can you uh, support this even living here, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. We're in Jerusalem. We're not in the West Bank, right? This second. Um, I mean, how do? What's your reaction to that kind of um, uh, questioning? I mean, you, you know, it doesn't. It's that. That's not necessarily flowing from a negative place, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all tried to become now more conscious of. Um, you know, the tomorrow I'm going to be doing this in a sermon, right? Amos is talking about you know not to be oppressive of the poor, and today that's a much more complicated thing because we're not we're not tipping the scales to oppress the poor um, in in simplistic ways. Today we we, we realize that that these g- global uh, companies like Apple. Um, you know their factories are over in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. You know they're not next door, and you know, and so, and everybody, everybody's got an Apple Apple iPhone. So you you and you want to be conscious of that. You you mm-hmm. you want to be conscious of of how you know the, the footprint you know environmentally and ecologically and 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 uh, socially that you that that you're making in your in your in your choices uh, that you make when you when you make purchases um, and things like that. And so. So when people see in the news that, you know, Israel uh, um, uh, makes certain choices politically and that, and that it's unfair to Palestinians and things like that, um, um, uh, uh, you know, they, they want to check, wait a minute, is this, is this like buying an iPhone that's going to adversely affect people, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, in Bangladesh or whatever? Um, uh, now, what... So what I would say to that is, is you know, a okay, let's check it out. You know, mm-hmm. not a, not a bad question. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, but again, you know, it's interesting. Israel seems to be kind of singled out here in disproportion to um, the rest of the world, right? With 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 all these other conflicts and. Um, um, you know, when, you, you know, nobody's, nobody's saying that about, you know, I'm not going to go to Pakistan because of Kashmir. I'm not going to go to, mm-hmm. um, Egypt, 
uh, I would never because go see the, the pyramids. Yeah. yeah, because of what they're doing to the cops or because of the, the genocidal war that they're conducting in Yemen right now. Um, or I'm not going to go. Uh, I'm not going to go to Dubai when there's practically slave labor mm-hmm. uh, building those nice uh, skyscrapers there. Uh, you know. Or to turn it even more closer to home here, I'm not going to go to Jordan because of how they treat the Palestinians. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm not going to go to whatever. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, pe- people. That, I mean, more Palestinians have been slaughtered in the Syrian civil war. Um, That's the last, uh, eight years in the last eight years than, than have been killed by Israelis in decades. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's not even on anybody's radar, like even in a blip. Um, I'm talking about how many Palestinians Assad has killed, not the over half a million to a million Syrians he's killed. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about specifically Palestinians that he's killed. Um, and that just doesn't even register on anybody's radar, mm-hmm. um, yeah, let alone for calling for military intervention um, to, to have that genocide stopped, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um, so, yeah, so, uh, so, so again, like there's this disproportion again, right? Like how, how um, you know, let's, um, you know, if we go back to, to France, the, the, they set up that law where the hijab was going to be stopped. Um, kippahs were also outlawed. And then crosses were, were, were banned, not, but only of a certain size. So a very large cross. You couldn't wear this very large kind of grotesque thing dangling. From, but you could wear still, still wear a small cross. Right. Like everyone wears. Yeah. So obviously that wasn't going to affect any. Right. So you, you could still. And so, so that's, that's, that's what I mean by um, uh, this. Uh, these things about these boycotts, um, BDS boycott, divest, and sanction um, Israel. I think it it's usually kind of very disproportionate mm-hmm. to what's happening in the rest of the world. And um, 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 now, look, if there is a factory, some Israeli factory in the West Bank, and it's built on stolen Palestinian land. Then you know what I got a problem with that too. You mm-hmm. know, um, but um, but but I would say look into it because oftentimes what's behind this BDS movement is is a larger kind of blanket boycott of all things Israeli, and um, it's it's a dangerous it's kind of a dangerous thing. It's um, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, again, see, it's, it's nuanced, and it takes an entire kind of 400-word yeah, yeah. essay. To <laughs> no, I, seriously, I know. I mean, uh. it just gets more complicated. Actually, I, the kind of direction I'd like to take it now is like, all right, so I lived here. I had two kids at the time, and, you know, I wasn't here as working for an NGO or for, um, you know, the U.S. military or <laughs> I was a student, and I had kids, and our kids were going to school and you know I mean they were just little then but um how do you raise your kids here I mean what language do they speak or languages what kind of schools do they go to what's that like as a Christian here living here permanently um you know what what do you tell your kids I mean that's 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 what I'm curious about well I'll go first um our, our boys go to 
an Israeli school here in Jerusalem, and it's a secular school. And the school system is really strange from from my perspective, the way I grew up in the U.S. It's um, very – well, first off, you, you – and Danny, and I won't go into it, I'll let Danny go into the explanation of how they divide it up, but you can choose to go to religious school, to a secular school, and then it even breaks down further. And and you also go within your group as well. So you'll be going either with Palestinians or you'll be going with Jews. And so it's, um, I would use the word segregated, wouldn't you? Very much, right? And... So it's been interesting from our perspective because um, our sons are usually the only Christians in their classes and and then dealing with things like Christmas or um, holidays that we might celebrate as Christians can become, you know, it can be something that's frowned upon or made fun of and... And then Danny grew up here going to these schools as well, so he can give his his experience from that. But it becomes – I always say this now. When I go back to America, I always can understand what someone who's coming from minority is experiencing inside of America. Um, in the school system. In the school system mm-hmm. or just in general um, when I think of – someone who doesn't speak English well in America, mm-hmm. you know, I can understand that with my Hebrew and it, you, it's, you start to, you know, you don't quite, you're not completely accepted. You're not completely yeah. in the system. And, and even then when you say like your kids grow up and they, they do speak Hebrew, it still doesn't guarantee completely of acceptance it, it's even more it's it's just part of it's it's tribal mm-hmm. um i'd say it's definitely very tribal and and i think danny the school that your kids is going to is very kind of unique and revolutionary for jerusalem because jerusalem out of all of israel is very different because it's so divided not only does it have this line down the middle going back to the before the Six-Day War, where the minefield separated East and West Jerusalem, where, you know, West was a part of Israel and East was a part of Jordan. And it still has that line, even if it's invisible. There's a road today, but that you can still feel the line. You cross over that road from West to the East Side, and it's, it's like a a different spirit or something. I don't know how to describe it, but no, different same, I culture. Mean, I lived in Abu Tor across the right near where we are. And there's, there's like a line where it also follows the, the, the line that you're speaking of, but it's sort of like Jewish house, Jewish house, Jewish house, Palestinian. <laughs> and it's just like, there it is. It's as plain as day. And you can, you can feel the energy of it. As soon as you're going back and forth, you can feel the tension of, of, of such a place. So anyway, so yeah. What about you, Danny? What, um, what languages, what language do you speak at home? Where do your kids go to school? What's it like here? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's everything, uh, Gary described is, is exactly right. Um, and, um, so in, in contrast to that very, um, kind of segregated, um, 
uh, system, and it's and it's segregated. By the way, not in the um, in the sense that uh, people are forced to be segregated. They're forced because I mean they're segregated because the communities uh, want to be in their own schools. Um, you know, the, the religious Jews want a religious education. They they say get this secular, uh, you know, nonsense away from us. The seculars say get this religious nonsense away from us. We want a secular education, um, and you know. Uh, yeah, seculars are yeah a small s- small minority here now, um, and so same with Palestinians and Israelis and and so on and so on. So my kids go to a um, they're in a bubble of um, um, of a mixed school. So it's a school that is half Palestinian, half Jewish. Every class has a Jewish and a Palestinian teacher. It's half Arabic, half Hebrew. Um, and so they're, they've uh, grow all the kids there grow up um, uh, speaking uh, both languages, and that's um, they have a school like this in every major city now in the country, um, and it's it's kind of a unique. Um, it's not an experiment now; it's a pretty successful um, enterprise now, and they're they're actually really popular everywhere that they have these schools. There's a really big waiting list to get in, which has been a really major success. Um, um, and yeah, it, it was yeah, it was it was arsoned as well. Uh, the school that my kids go to, actually, the, the class that my my son when he was in first grade, he, uh, thankfully not when any of them were there. It was in the middle of the night. Um, but so it's something that's uh, frowned upon by extremists, um, obviously. Extremists and what? Like who? Who burned it down? In, in this, in this, in this case, it was uh, 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 Jewish kind of uh, nationalists, uh, mm-hmm. uh, religious religious uh, nationalists um, attacked it. Um, did they actually catch someone and prosecute? They did. Yeah, they went to jail, and they've since been released. Um, they were teenagers at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so your kids. Are going to school in Hebrew and in Arabic yeah. Um, yeah. in this experimental school. I mean, to me, that sounds like like the best thing I've ever heard. You yeah, know? just I, in terms of like the future, right. you know, like yeah. more of that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you know, it has its issues too. We have you know all kinds of um, um, issues as well. But yeah, it is a little bit of a of a utopia. Um, um, but um, I mean it. I, one of the things I think that's kind of most um, amazing about it is that everyone, the first fear that everyone always has about it is that, oh my goodness, you know, all those kids there, I'm sure um, uh, those kids must not know who they are. They must have, their identities must be in, in, in uh, they must be totally confused about who they are. And and the, the, the exact opposite actually happens to these kids. They They come out with their identities really really uh strengthened kind of hmm. um reinforced actually um despite the fact that say even like in history class um they will teach um both narratives say about the four- 1948 war hmm. they teach it as the war of independence from the israeli side and then they teach about how it is the nakba or the catastrophe um for the palestinians and those are two sort of competing narratives um, that aren't reconciled, and they don't reconcile those two narratives. They just sort of leave. I mean, sort of like you do when you go to college, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, that that's sort of something that you learn when you when you go to college that there are competing narratives, and that there isn't just sort of one textbook on on history. You got to sort of synthesize and 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 kind of um, 
um, um, uh, hear the, the different angles and, and know that really you don't arrive at, at a kind of uh, um, uh, um, a truth that is uh, um, 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 ever can be told from from one perspective. Um, and and for these kids, it's amazing, you know, already from like fourth grade, it's just, that's just like so obvious to them. They're like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, well, just like a car accident, this person saw it from that because they were standing on that side of the street. Mm-hmm. This person saw it like that and this person, and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, uh, the most obvious thing in the world to them. And they really come out with a kind of pretty sophisticated um, view on on life already from a very kind of early age. Uh, what do you speak at way. home then with your kids? Well, it's funny. My eldest was born in the states, and when we were there, we were really kind of concerned and conscious of of being able to maintain um, those languages. So I talked to Rafi in Hebrew, and Eva spoke to him in Arabic because um, she's Palestinian or half Palestinian. Um, her father's Palestinian, and her mother's Korean, um, and then. And actually, his English wasn't very good while we were in America. And then when we got back here, we knew because he was going to be immersed in those languages at school, we switched, we switched back to English at home. Okay. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I just love these, these little windows into, like, ordinary life. Because as soon as you start talking about Israel and Palestine, then you're, there are dates involved and figures and numbers and debates and ideologies. And um, I don't know. I just... I think it's it's interesting to talk about sort of daily life. Um, all right, so here's another sort of line of question. We've been talking for like 45 minutes. Um, and I guess it has to do with uh, Narkis and its unique a perspective on the Bible. And I guess maybe you could say on the historical Jesus. Like, So my experience there at Narkis was that it's a a church where there's some scholarship going on. It's not like um, there's there's some real depth. And diving into the, the New Testament, diving into the Hebrew Bible, there was a kind of an expectation that, yeah, we're going to be talking about the grammar of the Hebrew here. And we're, we're wanting to know more about um, the contextual um, milieu out of which these texts were born. And that was one reason why I loved it. I mean, I was doing the same thing in class that was also happening um, in church, just maybe with the added layer of theology. I wasn't doing theology in class. I was doing whatever, historical, critical stuff, but they weren't that far apart. And I never experienced anything like that. I mean, other than occasionally a pastor, like in the U.S. or something, will say like, well, in Greek, it means whatever. Beyond that, there's, there's not a lot of contextual stuff going on. And of course, that was my world for a long time. And I, I don't know what my question is exactly, but maybe it's something as simple as why does that matter now? I mean, even some people, because I tried to, I feel like um, for a long time, I was in more conservative uh, fundamentalist circles. And a lot of what I was saying was challenging people's assumptions about the Bible. And that was like shocking to them. And I, you know, whatever, I, I enjoyed it on the one hand. Um, but the perspective that the Bible mattered was already foundational. And now I'm in a completely different boat. Um, I'm mostly around people that I have to try, try to convince that it even matters. 
Like if I say something like the biblical narrative or the Bible itself, maybe also Greek philosophy, are the two spines of Western culture. You, can't, you simply cannot dismiss it. That's just my, my view. You cannot dismiss the, the, the Bible nor the person of Jesus, yet it still like sort of remains a contemporary question. Really? Like, why look back? Can't we just like move on? Who cares what the Hebrew says? So that's kind of like, why does context matter, I guess is what, what I'm saying. And is um, can it help with like the changing face of religion? Because that's, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. We might disagree on maybe the direction it's going. Maybe no one knows the direction it's going, but religion is in this state of flux and evolution, and it seems to be particularly acute around the world. Um, why does it matter? I mean, I guess... Is that a good enough question? Sure, Kent. <laughs> Thank you. <Gary. laughs> um, I've never really entered this. Sort of feels like an interview, but I, I'm trying to keep it like a conversation too. So, well, talking about our congregation, the I would definitely say context is one of our uh, core values, and finding the context of the Bible is crucial um, to what we're all about. And we want people to think and we want people to ask questions first off. And I think you've talked about this before, you know, all the time Jesus teaches by asking questions. You know, it's not like he's going around and saying, these are my 50 truths and memorize them. My doctrines. My doctrines. doctrines. Right. He's, He's throwing questions at you and he's causing people to think. And it's, um, and so we, you know, we hope to do the same thing because the Bible, like you said, it's, it's a core text to, in a lot of ways, you know, Western civilization and, and just the way we try to pursue justice in the world. And there's lots of things that people don't realize it's come from the Bible and um, especially in, in liberalism, I think a lot of liberalism comes from the Bible, you know, at its... In what sense? That's interesting. I, I mean, just the idea of, of people have value, like human rights would be a value that is so foreign in most of the world, even today, even though we have the United Nations and we have all of this stuff to try to shut wars down and all this it's still very much people are tribal and and that the the whole thing of love your neighbor as yourself which is in leviticus um, 1918 and then jesus uses it connects it right with uh the shema of loving the lord and loving your neighbor loving the person who's there with you i think just that that concept right there is it's a revolutionary value and i very much think that's the whole like I mean, again, I'm not some expert on liberalism and philosophy, but mm-hmm. I do think that has got to be a core value yeah. for the mm-hmm. liberal mm-hmm. yeah, background. But um, so let's see, what were we talking about again? Well, I mean, I guess my question was like something like why, why look back in the context? And maybe you can make it about Jesus too. Like, <clears throat> you know, I mean, sometimes I think about there are Jesuses, plural. <laughs> You've got the historical Jesus who's down there in the well of time somewhere and you have the various expressions of the uh, the Jesus of church history you know I mean the 
Syrian Jesus looks a lot different than the Roman Jesus and so forth and so on. Not a lot different, but you know what I'm saying. And the American Jesus. And you've got American boyfriend Jesus. Um, so, I mean, why does the... Historical Jesus Yeah, why matter? does it matter still? And not, I'm not asking from a scholarship point of view. That, that chip... I'm not saying academically. I'm saying why does it matter to just your average person, whether they're sort of a Christian or they're not even? Why, why does that matter? I, I mean... I think people need to be shook up. I think at the core, people are too comfortable and they're they're too relaxed when it comes to um, everybody. You know, if you think you're good, it's all settled, and I have nothing to work on or nothing to kind of improve. I mean, I mean, I would use the basic biblical sentence. Repent from your sins, you know, that John the <laughs> <Wow>. Baptist. <laughs> Coming in heavy. Bring, bringing down my evangelical uh, propaganda. <laughs> um, re- repentance of sins, you know, is I think at a core of Jesus's teachings when, when he comes in, you know. You've, and he specifically is hitting the righteous. He's hitting the people that are comfortable, mm-hmm. that they think it's all cool and they've got it all figured out. And I think Jesus is, you know, he came to shake people up. And I think when you pursue the historical Jesus, not the Jesus of your culture, the Jesus of, of you know, where you feel comfortable, then you'll want to throw him off the cliff too, like yeah. in Nazareth. Because yeah. that's, he, you know, it's a visceral reaction to who he, and his message. Mm. It's like, look at yourself in the mirror, and there's a lot of work to to do and to to uh be transparent about and not just kind of cover it up with well i'm liberal and you know i i give my money to this cause and you know i love everybody but in the the conservative version and the conservative version which would be something like what the the in the conservative version would be like i I've got it all together. I don't need to worry about the rest of you out there, Mm -hmm. you know, where you essentially cut yourself off from the rest of the world Mm -hmm. and you live in your, your, you know, your tower of righteousness, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. And, and no, it's, it's, it's dirty. It's, you know, it's, there are people out there and Jesus has called us to be pro people, Mm -hmm. whatever state they're in and however broken they are. And I think this is what I like about our congregation um, going back is, is we've got a lot of messed up people. Not, you know, we're not, it's not kind of the stereotype that people have of, of the homeless or the drug addicts or, or this, but just average people and people struggle. Mm-hmm. And um, Danny's dad, Chuck Kopp, was the pastor for 24 years prior to us and he used to call Narquise an emergency room at a hospital it's it's a place where people can come in there they're bleeding they're broken a bone whatever it is and just to know that you can come into this emergency room and hopefully you'll get treated in a few hours but but at least you know you recognize you have to recognize that you're in that state of I need to repent. I need to get fixed. I need help. I, I think that's that's what the historical Jesus talking to the average person on the street. Community. Why don't you talk about that? 
<laughs> hey, well said. I mean, I thank, thanks. I mean, that's, um, you know, obviously we're, I, we don't have a script ahead of time, and I think that that was, uh, that was a powerful answer uh, or response, I guess, to, to the question. Yeah. You got anything to add, Danny? What do you, what's, uh, what's going on with, in your mind? Yeah, it just, I mean, you know, the, the common answer to that is always that, you know, like you said, you know, why is it important? Because, um, you know, Christianity and, like you said, uh, Greek philosophy and all that are the foundations of Western civilization. And so, um, you know, you can't, if you're, if you're, just if you're a curious person, you, you've got to, if you want to know what makes civilization tick, then, then yeah, you should be, you should want to know. Um, and then, but they'll always come back at you with, you know, no, it's much more Greek philosophy than Christianity that is, that is the foundation of Western civilization today. And, you know, that's just Christian propaganda that tries to tell you that, you know, and so, you know, people always come back at you with, um, with these types of, uh, kind of rhetorics, but, um, and so, you know, that can be an endless loop of an argument, but like, I come back again to like, um, Judaism, or really it's the Bible, it's the text of the Bible that is just like, again, this canary, canary in the coal mine thing again of, of you know, because what happened in Nazi Germany, right? They just, the Nazis just, again, the most brilliant, advanced civilization on the face of the earth, right? I mean, they were, they were, they were way beyond the U.S. even in terms of by every measure, like mm-hmm. technologically, culturally, in music, in art, everything. Yeah, art. I mean, just, I Engineering. mean, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they thought, who are these, these buffoons that are even showing up on, on Normandy? We're going to waste these guys. Like, it doesn't matter if there's more of them. Like, they're just, um, and, but, but they, they, they had so lost their moral compass, right, that they could be entertaining notions that, that, yeah, but, you know, just genetically, Jews have smaller brains, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, you know, crippled people, they're just kind of a drag on society. So why not? Like, just why not? Why not just get rid of them? We could just have a—society would be clean. And, and society would be cleaner without, without autistic people. Like, you know, it would. I mean, just practically speaking, you know. And— and you know, and so how do you go how do you go there from there to there, and there's something in in with Jewish in, in Jewish community for for thousands of years, and so cultures have gone like that, and, mm-hmm. and you'll watch a culture just like with these massive swings just go crazy. Like look at American society today, right? And, and how we've um, um, America has just like um, just gone up and down in its in its um, welcoming to immigrants. And then, you know, closing its borders, welcoming, closing, welcoming, closing. Mm-hmm. And you take like, and, and, and so you look at Jewish society, and I use this example constantly, but um, um, there's just something healthy about the way that they understand that like, we're family, we're family no matter what. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter almost what you believe even, right? Mm-hmm. And so, whereas, like, the evangelical thing is, you know, if you... Um, your family, if you believe. If you believe, <laughs> right? So, so yeah. if your son came home with his 
uh, gay boyfriend mm-hmm. or said he was going to come home with his gay boyfriend for Christmas, it'd be like, uh, you better not mm-hmm. show up with your gay boyfriend for Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Jews, even maybe Orthodox Jews, right, they may say they may have just as strong an aversion, maybe, to this the fact that your son said he just has a homosexual boyfriend, right? But they, but their response would be, um, um, you know, my gosh, okay, whatever, you're crazy, and I'm pissed, and I'm going to beat you up, but just you better dare not not show up mm-hmm. for Pesach dinner, right? You better be there, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's going on in your life, right? Because whatever happens at the end of the day, wherever you're at, whatever you're believing, whatever, you better show up for Pesach dinner, mm-hmm. right? So there's this, there's no grounds for rejection ever, ever. Like, we're family, we're community. We are, uh, you will always be a part, right? And that's that's the story of the, of the, of the, the biblical of tradition. The biblical na- yeah, yeah, of the biblical narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Amos, he's going on about like, a, I'm going to destroy you guys. Mm-hmm. I'm going to whip you. But I'm going to bring you back cause I could be, because, because, because I love you. Because I, I made you and you're going to, you know, I'm going to bring, of course I'm going to bring you back. Of course, mm-hmm. you know. Of course, that's the whole point. The whole point of the, even the destruction is to bring you back. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, that, that's never the ultimate goal. Um, and so, you know, um, and, and that, I think, has always been in the, that narrative is at the core of Western society. And if, and if you dig down deep enough and if you, um, you know, you hold on to it, it'll be, it, it'll be there. And if you, if not, then yeah, we, 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 we go towards uh, Nazi Germany or in, into some kind of totalitarianism mm-hmm. in its leftist form or in its right wing form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. That's been one hour. Thank you. I mean, both of you. I had this idea. We didn't talk about this ahead of time. Really. I just I showed up here in Israel and I sent a text a few days ago and I said, let's get together and let's try to make a podcast. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got something to say, Gary? I was just going to close out with community. I, I, I feel like that's our congregation. It's It's not a pretty community. It's not an easy community, but... It's the community that keeps the ties. And even like with you, you know, you've, you've been gone, what, 15 years from the land? Yeah, some two thousand, since, yeah, 2006. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of others of people that we've known over the years. People come back even 40 years. You still yeah. remember whether you like to or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so in that regard, it feels, it, it's a small microcosm of what we feel like the global church could or should be mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you live around the world, but you're, you're sown together in your, your spirit. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. any Shalom. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? That was my uh, other Hebrew teacher. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, Anyways, it's well good, said. It's good yeah, to be I, together. I like that as kind of like a microcosm. And that's actually this, this, the thing I love most about Narkees. It does seem like a microcosm of what the global church is like and can look like, um, both in its sort of like multicultural ways and in its hodgepodgeness and 
in the fact that it's a bit like a hospital room, an emergency waiting room, and and it's it's a bit what was the phrase I used at the beginning? It's like um, community run, you know, or it's like it um, it's not this sort of uh, top down sort of cleaned up yeah thing. So anyway, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, that's what I got. You're welcome, and thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks very much.